Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Yeah, and Pastor Mary is going to preach too. So, I have a new favorite hockey team. I'm going to come over here and stand by Joe. So, I'm only going to mention my team. I'm not going to mention any other teams. But my team now, the Carolina Hurricanes, are so good that they can put a Zamboni driver in net. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, a backup, go, backup to the backup goalie yeah. got placed into the game and beat the guys that play all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aye, aye, aye. All right. Uh, February 26th to April 11th. This is important for all of you, so you're going to make sure you record these dates. Some people call it Lent. Depending on your background and history, you might be familiar with that. But from February 26th to April 11th, we're asking all of you to participate with us in our church fast for 2020. And uh, a couple things I want to say about that. Uh, John chapter 12, verse 24 to 26 it says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat's planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. This verse, this passage has to do with dying to self. And as we start learning how to die to ourself, then the new life of God will come forth. But corporately, I want to ask you this question, Windsor Christian Fellowship. Are you willing to set something aside for about 40 days for the benefit of your community, for the benefit of those around you. Now, I'm not going to do a full teaching on fasting. I did that once already. You can go to the stream and you can find it. If you go to our archive and look up the fasting, you can get the full teaching on this. There's a couple things I want to highlight for you today, though, especially if you, you're coming in in the last year and you don't remember that teaching. Because how many remember what I taught about a year ago? How many remember what I taught last week? Uh, dying to self always precedes producing fruit. You want to develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life? The more you die to yourself, the more the fruit of the Spirit is going to come forth inside of you. Less of us, more of Him. Uh, we base fasting on Isaiah 58. I'm going to just read verse 6 to 8 to you. No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. That's good. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. That's good. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. 
Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide yourself or do not hide from relatives who need your help. Do I need to read that one again? And do not hide from relatives who need your help. (laughs) Then your salvation will come like the dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. So when we, when we corporately fast together, we are believing for some things to happen. We want freedom from the oppressed, addicted and afflicted, just like last year. That's what we're fasting for. We wanna see supernatural healing and deliverance because how many know some people need supernatural healing and deliverance? Amen. We wanna see the power and the glory of God manifest in our daily lives, not just in our corporate, but in our daily lives. And you want to affect everyone around you. And this year I added to that salvation for the lost. We're believing for lost souls to be one. And also for relationships to be restored. We want relationships to be healed. So Jesus makes a statement. He says when you fast. He doesn't say if you fast. How many are Christ followers? Amen. Some of you are like, what do you get me into? <laughs> If we love Jesus, we obey what he commands. He says, when you fast. So it's not something that's really optional. But he talks about that in Matthew 6. But what I want to do is I want to give you a few things here. There's different ways we fast. Now, there's very few that are actually going to do the absolute fast, which is water only for 40 days. I highly do not recommend you do a 40-day water only fast unless you know what you're doing which means you're experienced in fasting, you understand how the body works, you understand that when the hunger returns, you need to eat, and you don't eat a large pizza, go off food for 40 days, and then break it with a steak dinner. You'll be in the hospital, that's very correct. Um, But that is something that there's some of you that are more experienced in fasting would be able to believe God for. And a lot of people that do the 40-day fast change history. You know, Moses did it, Jesus did it, Others have done it. Uh, There's the intermittent fast where you eat only between certain hours of the day, like from noon to 6 p.m. is when you do all of your eating, and then you don't eat from 6 p.m. until noon the next day. There's the Daniel fast, no sweet or pleasant foods. You know, sometimes you only eat vegetables or you take meat out of your diet or you eat no desserts. Um, I was voluntold. (laughs) But then I saw the wisdom in the voluntold, and I thought, okay, I'll come into agreement with this. So I need to remove gluten from my diet for 40 days. And we'll see how that goes. I have visions of myself shaking (laughs) as I watch my children eat bagels. But I can do this. The media fast. Some of you need to withdraw from television, internet, and chat apps because some of you spend so much time in your media that you can't even hear God's voice when he speaks to you. And the media that you watch shapes your mind more than the word of God does. So disconnect. I know last year some of our young adults got a hold of this and they logged off all their social media accounts and put these little posters up and the media got a hold of it and started interviewing them and asking them about that. And then there's the therapeutic fast where you fast one complete day a week. So this is how this one works. Um, And years ago, I'll just share, and I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. I had something called IBS or irritable bowel syndrome. If you ever have, you don't want it, it's not fun. I'm sure there's worse things out there, but it wasn't fun. So they referred me to a specialist like 16 months down the road, and I was like, I'm not waiting 16 months to deal with this. So after some research, so what I did is Sunday night to Tuesday morning, I only drank water. 
from Sunday after six to Tuesday morning at six. I only drank water. And I did that for 52 weeks. And then I increased my probiotic intake and reduced my fatty food content. And by the time I saw the specialist, I had no more symptoms of IBS. Jesus likes me. So I want to encourage all of you. How many say, you know what? We can get on board with this. We can, we can pray and ask God over the next couple days. And by Wednesday, we'll fast with you. We'll give up something. Any, any, can I have one person? Oh. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, not seeing the hands. Okay, there's a few of you. You know what? I believe that if we believe God together corporately, that we're going to see some change in our community. And I believe that you are instruments of change and you can execute the kingdom of God. Okay, we have been working through this thing called love. And last week we asked the question, can anything separate us from the love of God? And the answer was overwhelmingly, no. And today we want to talk to you about, we're going to call it true love, but really it's agape love or the God kind of love. And one of the definitions that I saw that I really liked for agape was love as revealed in Jesus, seen as spiritual and selfless and a model for humanity. So the way God loved us is how we're supposed to love others. And that's also how we respond to his love is agape. Can everyone say agape? agape? And the interesting thing about agape is, you know, they talk about the ancient Greeks and all the languages they speak. And I remember that one Super Bowl commercial with all the ancient Greek words for love if you watched it. It's actually uh, well done. But the point is this. Agape really wasn't that commonly used in the Greek language until the New Testament was written. Then all of a sudden it appeared hundreds of times. Because it has to do with how God loves humans. Right? So outside of Christianity, there's not really this God loves humans concept. In John 13, verse 34 and 35, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. For your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. That agape, the way that we treat each other is the sign to the world that we're Christ's followers. It's not when we heal the sick. It's not when we raise the dead. They ooh and ah at that. But that's not what the, differentiates you from the world. It's the way we love people. It's the way you love people. It's the way we interact with people. How many know sometimes your love walk gets challenged? Mine was challenged again yesterday when I was coming in to drop my daughter off at work and this lady didn't understand what a yield sign meant. You guys know that red sign with the white center? It's a triangle, kind of upside down. It means that you yield the right away to the other people, right? Or do I not drive right? For 35 years, I've been driving wrong. <laughs> but she thought it meant speed up and cut the guy off that's trying to stay. I had to work on my love walk. I did okay. I stayed in the car. <laughs> it didn't say any words I regretted. I just kind of looked at her and went, it, it's a yield sign. Like, seriously. But see, your love walk gets challenged, doesn't it? Your love walk gets challenged in relationship with your husband or wife. <laughs> so I learned a long time ago in marriage marriage and family class they said the difference between a good marriage and a great marriage is usually those two or three things every day that you don't say <laughs> see I'm all for open and honest conversation but sometimes people just they use no wisdom and they say things that are just not necessary 
And in John 15, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way I've loved you. There's no greater love than to lay down one's lives for one's friends. So we see agape is really a command in Christianity. It's not really option A, I will love people. Option B, I will not walk in love towards people. If you're a Christ follower, you're going to love people. Just like Jesus said, when you fast, when you pray, when you bring your gifts to the altar, how are we doing? When you love people, right? This is my command. Love God, love people. Jesus summed it up. So laying down your lives for friends is Christianity 101. That's a very basic part of Christianity when we serve other people, when we serve humanity, when we serve each other. And there's various ways that we can do this in life, but ultimately your motive has to be love towards people, not selfishness towards self. Romans 5.5, 5, and then I'm going to turn it over to you. I won't disappear this time, I promise. First service, I ran away. Romans 5.5, 5, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. The best part of this whole process is God puts his spirit in us to help us to love others. If you just come into alignment with the spirit, if you just listen to what he's telling you, he makes it easy for you to love others. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He's within us, and it's a part of our nature now as a Christian. Because at salvation, when you gave your life to Christ, he made you a new creation. He gave you a new nature. And your new nature, it's easy to love. It's when your old nature gets in the way that we get complicated in love. Okay, so God does everything through? Relationship. Can you say that again? Relationships. And why God does everything through relationships, his motive. You know, the cross of Christ is the greatest picture that we have of God's love for us. And, you know, we read today, for God so loved the world that he gave. And the reason that he came is because our relationship was broken with him. Okay, so bear with me. I want to try to connect some dots for you and draw some lines with some scripture today. How many love God's word? So I want to try to frame for you the emphasis on these few scriptures that I'm going to be referring to is that love is everything. Love is the centrality, the picture of Jesus on the cross and him dying for us. That is love. That is the whole centrality. That is the whole center of our Christian faith. So I want to read for you out of Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Jesus summarized it like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is like it. He said, love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus added and said, all of the law and the prophets hang on these two things. So when God gave us the commandments in the Old Testament, the first four commandments talk about our relationship with God and how we're to view him and how we're to love him, how we're to love him above all else, above everything, that he is number one. He is 
he is it. The second, the second part, the last six, talk about how we are to be in relationship with one another. Our spouses and our families and our neighbors, how we are to be responding to each other and loving each other. And that's how those scriptures are responding to. And so when Jesus says, everything that the prophets and the law spoke of before, I just said to you in two commandments. And then Jesus says, as Pastor RJ referred to after that, he says, a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So the emphasis is here on how love is the most and the greatest and the most important. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, let love be your highest goal. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3, I'm sure we're all familiar with it. It says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even the sacrifice of my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So the motive that we're trying to get at is, yes, there are many who give their life for the cause of Christ, but their motive is love. Their motive behind everything that they do is love. The motive behind everything that God did for us was because of love. And because he loves us, he allows us to be a part of that for each other and that love. So I want to read for you. And this scripture context is all about love. So we're going to keep this in that context because it's, Jesus is talking to us about how we love. And I'm reading from Matthew 5, 43 to 48. You've heard the law that says, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for you? Even the corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. But, everybody say but, you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now, the Bible tells us in many areas that perfect love is God. It's God's perfect love. So we're going to say, we're going to replace the word perfect with love. We're going to say, but you are to love even as your Father in heaven loves. And what was Jesus' last commandment? A new commandment I give to you, you are to love one another as I have loved you. To be perfect in that love. Now he also, Jesus also talks about and says that the Father God says, sends rain on the just and the unjust. He sends light on the, uh, to everybody on earth. And it's about that unconditional love that God has for all of us. He doesn't just pick and choose about, you've met this standard, so yes, you, I will love you. And you've done this, so yes, I will love you. God 
God's love is unconditional. There are no conditions that he places on his love. He gives it freely. Jesus came to die for all of us. When I tell my children, you know, the perfect picture of unconditional love that we have is for our children. And when I talk to my children and I say to them, every day of their life, they have heard their father and I tell them, I love you always and forever. If any of my kids are in here, what do, I, what do you say? Say it louder. Maybe you need to stand up. <laughs> oh. She knows the answer. She said unconditional. I know. <laughs> they play a part and they say unconditional. They know mom and dad love them always and forever, unconditionally. No matter what they do, no matter where they go, no matter what they say, no matter what choices they make in life, they will never be separated from our love. We love them unconditionally always and forever and they know that so the and i'll say the sidewalks are now safe again she's doing great with her driving so you can walk on the sidewalks okay okay but i'm not done yet go ahead (laughs) but wait there's more yes okay so as we were reading okay we got to continue to the next part of that scripture so i want to talk about so our love The way God loves us, okay? So we love God because it's in response to how he first loved us. Our love for him is in response to how he first loves us. So our love flows in and through and in response to how God loved us first. So when we love others who are easy to love, because they are doing things for us and, you know, they're kind to us and everything. It's very easy to love those people because they love us too. Those are natural responses to what we experience in our love for others. But God's love, God's unconditional love, his true love is in response to when it's hard and when it's not easy And when we have to love people in our lives, we have to choose to love people in our lives who are unlovable, who have hurt us, who may be our enemy, who may have done things to really hurt us. And we have to choose to love them. And that response is a supernatural response. So out of the love that you have the revelation of how much God loves you, out of that love that you've experienced and you have, you will, it will flows out of you and given to in response to the love that you first had from Jesus. Do you understand? Is that making sense? Okay, so, and when we're doing that, we are exercising a choice. So it is a command, yes. God gives us a command. He says, you must love as Christians. You are commanded. But you make the choice to obey the command. You make the choice to obey. Everything about our Christian walk is about choice. God gives us the invitation and we respond. We choose to respond and we make a choice. I want to read 1 Corinthians 13. 4 to 8, and this is explaining. We're all familiar with this chapter about what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. 
Love is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. So I want to, I'm trying to, bear with me. I'm trying to draw a line here. I'm going to go to James 1, verses 2 to 4. And it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for joy. For when, for you know, when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So we are to be made perfect, and Jesus commands us, you must be perfect as I am perfect. And what was that context in? In love. So when James is talking about here that you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing, when you walk and allow and surrender yourself to the opportunity that God gives us every day to walk in love. So Brothers and sisters, consider it a joy when your faith is tested. Why? Because what does love do? Love never loses faith. Consider it a joy when you go through circumstances. Because love endures through every circumstance. Love never fails. Love, your love walk, is what we are working on is what God is perfecting on inside of each and every one of our lives. So when Jesus is asking us, you must be perfect as I am perfect, he is talking about you must love like I love because it is my perfect love that will draw you to me and that from that revelation of how much to the depth that you actually understand, that you've received, that you experienced the love of God is that depth that you're able to respond in the fullness of it and give it out to those who don't, who aren't lovely, who aren't lovable, and you're moved by the compassion that is inside of you. You're moved into action. You're moved to do something for them because you have that revelation and you've experienced that love that God has given you. So that is a response. And out of that response of how much you know, You just don't understand it. You know it. You've experienced it. And you have that revelation of God's love for you. That it is something that you can't even keep inside. That you respond and you just have to give it out to everybody who's around you. So that they know this is love. This is what real love is. True love. That isn't going, isn't thinking about me. Because real love makes you posture yourself in a place of being humble. Because what is love? It's not proud. It's not boastful. So in circumstances in your life, when you want, you're right. And you want to be like, I'm right, they're wrong. They need to know. Like, you have the opportunity to consider it joy. So you humble yourself and you choose to defer to that person. You choose to prefer to that person because you are choosing out of your own choice 
to prefer them over yourself. Love never fails. Love is the thing that when it's in perfect love, that it's the thing that goes out of us as Christians. That's how they're going to know that we're Christians, one for another because of our love. That goes out and that has eternal value and that keeps growing and growing and growing. And in as much as you surrender to that perfecting of that work inside your life, that is to the depth that you grow and you are being made perfect in him. Amen? So agape, or true love, you know, it really is preferring others and dying to yourself. And we say, what does this look like? You know, here's what it looks like. When we're standing in line at the store the other day and this guy walks in front of us in line and says, I've just got a few items I'm going to cut in. Not, would it be okay if I stepped in? Just, I'm going to cut in. I've just got a few items. Or maybe when you're driving. <sighs> yeah, we're working Patience. on driving. <laughs> Preferring How about others. this one? In the home, you know, I told you I was kind of voluntold about the gluten, you know, because really I thought we should fast chocolate. So I think what we're going to do is fast gluten and chocolate for the next 40 days. I can do that. <laughs> I know. I can do that. And I think I can do gluten. Um, however, <laughs> what happens is even, even in, in our relationship, you know, we, we serve one another in the home. But every now and then, you know, you get a bad attitude when you're serving one another. You know, my kids will laugh because they'll see me. Yes, Master. <laughs> if you see me doing that, I'm probably getting pretty full with my love walk at the moment, you know, when I, here you go. I will gladly do this for you. Yes, Master. You know. <laughs> but, but the truth is, to walk in love means it's the S word. You serve, and you serve, and you serve. And when you think you've served enough, you serve some more. That will truly... What help you walk out your love walk and in a place of humility preferring okay, others. Okay, but now I'm not done, Sir. so stop. <laughs> the other S word, stop, I'm talking. <laughs> I can submit the other S word. <laughs> this could go on for a while. <laughs> you want to see your circumstances? We're just having fun. <laughs> One of these days, we're going to have a real fight and everyone's going to be like, What? <laughs> fellowship though. Everyone wants to see their circumstances change. Uh, most people do anyways, especially if it's not a good circumstance. But here's the thing, you have to align your perspective with God's perspective, which means you have to get the love perspective. And often just by changing your perspective from your eyes to God's eyes, automatically your situation changes because you're not seeing it through the same lens. And that alone will make a huge difference in the way we react in life. The lens is love. I'm gonna, I'm trying to think of an S word where I can throw it back to you so you can continue your lesson. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna super prefer my wife and let her go into First John right now. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to go into Ephesians. Oh, you're gonna go into Ephesians? Ephesians, yes. Okay, wait, I'm not done then. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'll get there, though. It's very important. Okay, I want to help you uh, draw a line a little bit because I was talking about and referring to, to the depth that you actually can know and understand and experience the love of God. To that depth is how deep you're able to respond 
to that love that you've experienced and give it out to somebody else. So I'm going to read Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. It says, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I want to read here also 1 John 4, 16 to 21. I mean, you love God's word. It's a lot of scripture. There's so much scripture on love. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more. Everybody say perfect. Perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in the world. Such love has no fear because perfect love casts out, expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we cannot see. And if he has given us this command... Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. Okay, so it says here, okay, I read that God's perfect love casts out some fear, different types of fear. Does he make a list? All fear. So to the depth that you have experienced and know and hear me, it's a choice. To surrender yourself, to let the circumstances that happen in life have their full work, their full place, their full development in your life is to the depth that you will actually experience the love of God and have that revelation that will expel all fear. So then how do you go forth and live your life? Fearless, without fear. How are you able to love others without fear? You go forth in his love because to the depth that you've experienced his perfect love that expels all that fear, the battle in the mind disappears. You don't worry about what they think or what they're going to do or how they're going to react because in reality, you cannot control how someone else responds to you. But you have a choice, you can control how you respond to them. So there's a depth that we fully recognize and we fully surrender and let, as James tells us, let that have its perfect work and development in our life is to the depth that we experience the revelation of how much God loves us. And when we have that revelation, then it's so easy to give it out to others even when they're not lovable, even when They're not kind. 
even when they're mean. Because how many of you know that when we love people, it's risky. It's not clean. It's dirty. It can be messy. It's a risk to love. You know that saying, love hurts. It's a song. We all know it, I'm sure. But the one love, the true love that doesn't hurt, that you can without risk, without any fear, fully enter into, surrender yourself to, and give yourself to is the perfect love of Jesus. There is no risk that you take because everything is fully been given. All the risk was taken when Jesus died on the cross for you. He took everything. He said it's finished. That means it's finished. His love is perfect love. So when he commands us to say, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Those who love me choose to obey the command. And Jesus tells us, he reminds us, those who love me will take up their cross and follow me. You choose your perspective on. You look at the cross of Christ that, that you have and the cross that you take up to follow Jesus, either as a burden or it's your opportunity to count it all joy. For whatever circumstances come your way, it's my love walk. It's my opportunity to surrender to the work of the cross in my life and allow it to have its perfecting work in my character and what God is preparing for me, for what he's already prepared ahead of me for me to do. Amen? If you didn't have a chance to grab a communion element when you came in, let, your, let the ushers know and then stand with us. And as we go into this next section here where we celebrate our covenant meal, I'm going to go to John 13. And it says, Jesus knew the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So Jesus understood, God put me here. God sent me here. I'm going to go back to him and I have authority over everything. He understood this. So what did he do with that authority that God gave him? He picked up a towel and he washed his disciples' feet. He served. And then from there, it kind of goes on, and he starts talking about his betrayal, okay? And then they're sitting at the table, and I love in the book of John, you see, the, you see John, he always refers himself as the one that Jesus loved, the disciple that Jesus loved. He doesn't call himself in John, he says, and the disciple that Jesus loved, kind of like he's doing this third-person talk. And uh, he's sitting next to Jesus at the Last Supper, where Jesus is instituting this covenant meal. And Jesus says, one of them's gonna betray me. And Peter looks over at John and goes, ask him who it is. <laughs> How many of you always wanna know, who is it? Who did it? What's going on? What's the scoop? Tell me all the dirty, juicy stuff. But Peter's like, hey John, what's going on? So Jesus says, I'm going to dip my bread, and whoever I give it to, that's the guy that's going to betray me. And then Judas goes out and betrays him. Judas was one of the 12, but he had a heart issue. He was actually a pretty important guy. He was the one that ran the finances for the ministry. He didn't quite make it. Judas had something in his life he wasn't to set aside. There was some selfishness there. 
But the point is, Jesus loved. And John realized and had a revelation of God's love for him. He's the one that wrote 1 John that you spent some time in, and 2 John and 3 John. You know, he was one of those disciples that was instrumental in the launch of the church. Peter, James, and John. Paul came along, took it to the Gentiles. But for you and me today, where do you stand in your relationship with God? Are you all in with God? Are you willing to lay down your whole life and say, God, I want to love people like you love me? Are you willing to set aside your selfishness and become selfless? Are we willing to operate in the love that God has demonstrated for us? You know, you talked about it in 1 Corinthians. It lists, this is what love is. Are we willing to operate in love? Or would we rather just stay with the status quo and I'm just going to try to do the bare minimum so that I can get along? Love goes beyond. Father, I thank you for the bread on our hand that even as you were launching a covenant with us, you were betrayed. And you had so much authority and power and you laid it down and served humanity. And you took every one of our sins so that we could be free. But in response to your great love for us, Lord, we love you so much. But help us activate faith in that direction in conjunction with the Holy Spirit so that we can love others as you desire us to more perfectly each day. Father, I thank you that you're working in our hearts to transform us. And as we lay our life down, we can take on your nature and character. And we can love others. Even when we don't want to, even when we don't feel like it, I ask you to help us to reflect your glory as disciples so that the world would see the love that we have for people. For every heart right now, Lord, we receive in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I ask you please for every believer here, for every person within the sound of my voice today, that more and more and more, Lord God, we pray that we would have the opportunity to consider it joy for us to be able to be made more perfect in our love walk with you and with others. Oh, Lord, I don't just stand up here to preach a message to everyone else because I am living in complete victory of it. Lord Jesus, I need, I need that revelation to go more deeper and deeper in my life as I battle through with you so that your perfect love can cast out all fear. All fear, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that your love would go so deep 
into each and every person's heart, Lord God. That more than that, Lord, that they would choose to let love's full work, to surrender to love's full work in their life so that they may be made complete and whole, lacking nothing, Lord. That we would be able to, without fear and with boldness, live our Christianity, our love for you out loud. That it flows out freely from us, God, because we love you and respond to that love because you first loved us. We thank you for the cross, Jesus. We thank you that it so beautifully and perfectly lets us know all that love is in all its fullness, in all its character, in every attribute of who you say that you are. And I thank you, Lord, that when we come before you and stand before you, that we do not have to be afraid, that, like your word says, to stand in judgment. Because we choose to live as Jesus lived and walk where Jesus walked. To love as Jesus loved so that we can stand before you and say, Lord God, we love you. We love you. As we receive the cup, Lord, I thank you that your blood covers everything. Your blood is a symbol of your perfect love that covers everything. And it is enough. It is enough. And it is made perfect through our surrender to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. We'll look forward to seeing you next time.